Streaming live from the DT Studios, this is Daily Turismo Radio, powered by EuropeanMotorWorks.com. Here's your hosts, Editor-in-Chief of Daily Turismo, Vince Barbary, and co-founder, Chris Florin. Hey, Motorheads, lucky for you, it's not Vince, it's Producer Ben. And after hearing all about Seaflow's exploits in Colorado on his great vacation... All of a sudden, Vince says he's got to go on vacation to Colorado. Anyways, I've just about wasted the last two hours of my life putting together this best of show for you today. So we're going to start off here with Chris Lazardo, who goes way back with Vince, an old friend, and talks about how notoriously cheap Vince is. The second interview is going to be Mike Brewer from Wheeler Dealers. He's going to talk about having a pint with the show, which would be cool. And after the first break is an awesome interview we had with Build Race party guru Bill Caswell. And then finally we're going to close with a game that Vince played with the Moses of the 24-Hour Lemons, Dave Coleman. So sit back and enjoy this best of Daily Turismo Radio. And just for you, Vince, keep on wrenching. It's just a really, really good show today. Um, but let me introduce some of the other voices in my head today. On my left is uh, C-Flow, a.k.a. Chris. Chris, say hi. Hi. Whoa, that was two. <laughs> I, got, I was like, it's some kind of stereo here. Okay, C-Flow is on my left. Lizardo, and I happen to share the same name, and not the same mother, I think. Um, but uh, C-Flow. Word, word to your mother. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> she appreciates it. Uh, C-Flow, uh, who has awesome hair, is uh, my co-host as usual. Um, next, we've got producer Ben, um, who, true story, doesn't actually wear pants to work. And, th- and that's the truth. It's disturbing. He, he smiles and nods. He agrees with that. But he's got sexy legs. He's, uh, I can't stop looking. <laughs> it is good. Um, and finally, you, you've heard him, but uh, now I'll introduce him. It's a special guest star, Lizardo who drove all the way out from Texas in a 485 horsepower muscle car just to do some donuts with me and then and then a little radio show. So um Lizardo, first question, okay, this is this has been on everyone's everyone's mind is you are driving across the African Sahara, uh, Sahara desert in a full-blown Baja race rig. All right. Okay. Um who do you take as your co-driver? Okay, here, here are your options. It's Katy Perry with a crescent wrench, Taylor Swift with a Leatherman, or Fran Drescher from The Nanny with a full set of snap-on tools. Go. Wow. Now, see, that's kind of a hard decision. There's so many virtues between all possibilities. But I'm thinking probably Fran Drescher because I remember the tight dresses she'd wear, right? And I'm thinking also if I lose a belt, I can use that dress for something else. You know, and then if I need, you know, some loud pitched wail to indicate, hey, I'm in trouble. She's got that same voice too. <laughs> That's like some kind of Siren alarm klaxon, yeah. right? Right? Klaxon. It's <laughs> oh, a yeah. nice SAT word, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> See, my my own opinion is true story. Vince got more than 800 on his SATs. I don't believe it. <laughs> Combined? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I I would pick Katy Perry if if anyone's asking me, um, mostly because. You know, any kind of race event, there's a good chance that you're gonna your car's gonna break down, and you'll get stuck in the desert, 
And I think that she's the one that you would want to like have to cook up and eat if you needed to eat someone. She's <laughs> the biggest, just in terms of like mass and, you know, the other ones. Kate Taylor Swift is really bony and it just it would it wouldn't be good. It, she wouldn't last. Well, on the other hand, you need someone to to you know hang the thumb out for you know for help on the road, right? So for hitchhiking, who's the, who's, yeah, the, not not hitchhiking, but you know to get like the, who are they going to pick up yeah, first, right? Exactly, right. You yeah. might have something there if you're talking Taylor Swift. I think over she might be the best for that purpose I, I wouldn't disagree with that i'm still sticking by my my belt though on the engine <laughs> okay. Still, okay we've got the, we've got the we've got the we've got the, the the nanny from uh from lizardo and and seaflow your your final answer on that one i'll say taylor swift because none of you guys said it <laughs> all right sounds good um all right so uh, lizardo um let's talk let's talk about cars let's start off let's make it easy let's talk about your first car my first Hit car it. My gosh, that was a 1987 Toyota Celica GT hatchback. Two-liter Toyota engine. I'm not sure how much horsepower it had, but it was good to 117 miles an hour, even with those 13-inch rims on it. I remember this car. This was a fun car. This car. It legally sat four. I know we definitely put at least ten in it at some point. It was a hatchback. I mean, we had plenty of room. And, uh, and gosh, we used to, to race... Uh, our buddy's turd of a Mustang, a four-cylinder LX, <laughs> up and down the streets. We had another buddy with a with a, born. with a with another turd of a car. It was a Honda Civic, and and yeah, we go racing through the neighborhoods and, and around corners until one of them tried to take me on the outside and crashed. But that's a different story. Funny, but you know, but yeah, my first car was a, was an '87 Celica GT. Yeah, I, I, I so Lazaro and I go we go way back. Um, and so I, I know that car. I rode in that car. I remember the, the day that um, a passenger who named remained nameless opened the the passenger door while you were backing up. Yeah, that was fantastic <laughs> on high grass too. She hit high it. Grass. The car. I didn't know she opened it. I was watching yeah. the. You know, I don't know what I was watching. I wasn't watching what she was doing. Yeah, and it bent the door all the way up against the front fender. It was amazing what that did to that car. <laughs> poor, poor car. It was good. It had uh, a whistle afterwards. It had a long-standing whistle after that. I couldn't deal with the whistle on that car afterwards. It didn't close the same. The window didn't shut. She didn't Never even say same. she was sorry. I don't know. She might have. What was that? Did, did that car have a name? You, you named your cars. You were, you were one of those. That car uh, name? You know, I don't remember what name that car would have had. The one after it, though, which was the 85 El Camino. Oh, surely. Now, that was the first car to really get a name, to really have a personality. Uh, 85 El Camino, black... You know, bench seat across the front, Conquista package, chrome everywhere, tires that were way too big for it when we first got it. So every time you hit a bump, all you hear is... <laughs> but eventually, I wore the tires flat along with the master cylinder and the brakes and everything else and and uh, ended up taking brand new tires off of a Lexus that fit the rims. They were all 15 inches and it didn't rub anymore. It didn't have quite the same personality as it did before, but still a fun car. Until the hood flew up on it one day when I was driving oh, down the road. Right. What was the name of that car? That car was named Shirley. Oh, of course. At least Shirley. I'm not sure where the name came from, but Shirley was the name. And a lot of great antics in there, like ex-girlfriends riding in the bed of the truck illegally. And then we hit the brakes and all you hear is, you know, until their heads hit the top. Sorry. And, and a great time in that car. And even with Vince rolling around uh, La Jolla, California back in the day, we'd, we'd wrap our heads with uh, toilet paper. There's another story. Yeah, I once I once went for a uh, went on a uh, hunt for little people in uh, in the Munchkins. (laughs) The Munchkins. They have a Munchkin city or a land there. We we did like a a Blair Witch Project type video in high school, 
of like looking for. Did you go past the two bridges? That was the, that was the thing. Remember those? You had to go past no, two I, bridges. I found and then the you houses. Found the, I found yes. the houses. Yeah. It, yeah. The really low doors. Yeah. R- yeah. <laughs> Munchkin houses in La Jolla. You remember that. Come on. I don't those remember are the Munchkin houses remember? in La Jolla. Oh, we used to go hunt for those The things. greatest thing was when we were on the hunt, we saw a real little person walking around and we stopped to ask them if they... <laughs> <laughs> they don't prefer yeah. the term midget? Uh, I don't I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't just a kid? I don't want to offend. I don't want to offend Stan, so we're going to call him little people. Okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, we're just going to call them incredibly small. <laughs> but yes, the first car will forever bring back days of toilet paper, oh, yeah. Scottish bagpipe music, bagpipe music and bandanas. Yeah. It was yeah. a good time. Yeah, that was uh, that was surely. Um, and then your 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 dad, uh, he 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 got you into cars, and and I I remember him when I was younger. This is many years ago. Um, but, uh, the, you spent a lot of time on, on car lots. That's right. My family owned a, a number of car lots up and down California, uh, all used cars. So we got to see, you know, the, the, the really expensive stuff coming in at four and $5,000 a pop back in the day. And, and then the trade-ins that, you know, we'd give them like 50 bucks as a courtesy, uh, and then, you know, drifted on down to Mexico uh, where where I I don't know what they would do with it. Probably mule They're things back into the today. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, that was a fun. So I got my start on the car lots, uh, being lot boy, picking up whatever it is that they needed, and 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 doing stuff like that, working on cars. So yeah, I used to have a really good time on the car lots. Yeah, I, rem- I remember you used to always um, you'd have kind of kind of cool cars. You'd show up um, and and one I remember um vividly was that Mitsubishi Mirage. <laughs> Because I remember one time you Who left. could forget the Mitsubishi Mirage? No, you know what? Um, <laughs> I forget which. I think it's a, it was a turbocharged little four-banger. Like no, 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 it was naturally aspirated four. Okay. But it was it was the Mirage, and it, it, and it had the body kit on it, which Ooh, meant it had a tail, oh, right? Yes. <laughs> and somebody had tinted the windows, but it had the worst hubcaps on it. And I just, I can't even describe them. It's like what, I don't know, it's like a, a Lego version of Dayton Wheels, you can kind of put that together, but that's kind of what they look like. And it had a bullet hole from a 45 on the back and a high heel hole up on the front headliner. And and I confirmed these because by chance at a party at San Diego State, I actually ran into the former owner. He's like, hey, did that car used to have a bullet hole in the back? Well, I don't know if it was a bullet hole, but yeah, there was a hole in the back. He goes, yeah, right about here. And so he started giving me the whole history of the car. It was his buddy, actually, that owned the car. Uh, and filled me in on the details about the high heel and about the bullet hole, and I, 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 I was good. That was that was yeah. I, that car was fun too. You you left the most, and, and again, I, I hate to bring back you know high school stories. We sound like a bunch of a bunch of dorks here, but you left the most incredible um, like two gears, like first gear, second gear, uh, burnout mark in front of a in front of Mike Weaver's house this <laughs> many years ago, and then his mom came and talked to my mom. And like it, she like it was this whole like it became like a, like a thing. It was like I got in trouble for a burnout mark that you left in front of this house. <laughs> it it's was, always Vince's fault. It was, yeah, it was one of the things. Like, look, I I was driving these diesel Mercedes, which you remember those cars. Yeah, you and, had that four cylinder two forty D Mercedes back in the day that was like a quadruple hand me down with two hundred eighty eight million miles on it. Yes, yeah, I yeah, you that car. you couldn't do a, a a burnout by throwing the thing off a cliff. I mean, it was just. <laughs> It was the most underpowered With a dog. tailwind. Yeah, that <laughs> car was horrible. It was, it, was, it was, you know, great fuel economy. But we were those, 16 and it was awesome. Those cars teach, teach skills, though. Those naturally aspirated diesels. I, I brought this up in a, in a post recently. I think everyone should own a naturally aspirated diesel car 
from the 80s or earlier. Well, that car was great, at right? At some point. The, yeah, the right. steering box broke on that car, and I think what we did was we used like some leather belts to hold it yeah. in place, yeah. right, so that we could steer the car. <laughs> well, and they, and they, teach you, they teach you how to drive because you have to fully commit. You have to say, I'm going to pass this guy and... and my foot's to the floor and I mm-hmm. cannot back out of it or I'm screwed. Yeah, zero so. to 60 in like 28 but, seconds. It was... Yeah. <laughs> so it's... The diesel's definitely the way to go. And, and inexpensive of power. compression ignition. I like, I like compression. I just like compression, you know? <laughs> Makes you feel good. <laughs> I just like direct injection. You know, gasoline, diesel, it doesn't matter. I heard that about <laughs> you. <laughs> Those old Mercedes were indirect, though. They had a pre-chamber... Oh, that's right. Yeah. So oh, that's right. You take that back. Oh, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> like this thing. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, Lizardo, um, Las Vegas, y- yes. you lived there for a while. I, I, I visited you, visited you a few times. Um, what's... I'm sorry, by the way. <laughs> it was a choice. Oh, it was, it was you know, it put me where I needed to be at the time. Okay. It was hot. It was fun. Definitely was good for me to get out of Las Vegas at the end of it. Not cause I had well yeah i kind of had to it was all personal stuff but anyways uh it was fun it was out there and we yeah you came out uh, with another friend of ours picked up a used tv following your mantra of only used (laughs) i believe your statement was only idiots buy buy tvs at full price yes this Um, is true (laughs) and not buy a tv at the store who does that only suckers do that pay all that depreciation a true story before i got married as as soon as you get it out of the store it's worth half something (laughs) like that I actually had three TVs that I found in dumpsters in my living room. Were they daisy chained together somehow? (laughs) Pretty close. We actually Uh daisy chained four Xboxes together so we could all have our own TV while we sat on his couch, which also came from that very same dumpster. (laughs) It was like the Doctor Who dumpster. It was great. (laughs) No, that came from Hun's... You close the lid and you open it again and there's something new in there. (laughs) (laughs) That couch came from Hun's blogger who, who, who writes for Daily Turismo. Um, and the uh, dining set I had came from from my friend Ryan, who was another uh, another guy who engineer who worked with us. And you know, it was why spend money on furniture or you know cars, anything, anything if you don't have really. Hey, no, no problem. Hey, Mike, we're um, we're actually on the air right now. We're live. That well, you you're, are on. You're, you're you're on. We answered the phone. You're on. <laughs> good, good. The world we're, is good. We're this uh, the, the other voice. This is Vince, um, and the other voice you hear is Chris, my uh, my co-host. Um, and then, hey, Mike, big fan here. Do you uh, do you have a minute? You want to talk to us? But, um, but, but Mike, I just got into a bit of cell phone service. I thought I'd give you a call and catch up with you on, uh, let you know what's happening in the world of wheeler dealers. Yeah, but Mike, that's impossible because in Southern California, it never rains. Apparently. <laughs> Isn't that why you came here from England? I mean, come on. What, to what are you escape doing, the rain. <laughs> yes, I mean, today felt awkwardly like I was in the darkest part of Wales today, just <laughs> off the east of the east coast of England. Honestly, I've never felt so miserable in my life. Oh, uh, bear, in, bear in mind, I was driving today uh, a 1916 Cadillac Type 53, and it's an open-top car. There's no uh, no doors, no sides, 
nothing. It's just a, a very useless windscreen in front of you <laughs> and the elements. And uh, today I've, I've certainly earned my money today because I've been pounded by this weather. But it's been exciting. So, so is that a car that you're 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 wheeling and dealing for the for the show? It is. It's actually a car that I'm competing in the. Uh, very much like Carl there, the racing driver. I'm competing in the um, uh, 2016 Peking to Paris Rally. So all the way oh, wow. from the Great Wall of China uh, to the Arc de Triomphe in Paris in a 1916 Type 53 Cadillac. Literally 100 years old. A, 100 years old this month, actually. That's amazing. Yeah, so, uh, wow. Yeah, it is the, it's a great car. It's the world's first production V8. Uh, so it's got a V8 engine. It's the first car ever produced with the pedal box in the correct configuration, wow. which is clutch on the left, brake in the middle, and accelerator on the right. Uh, so it's a thoroughly modern car. It's the first car in the world with an electric start. And it runs just like Cadillac 100 years later. Obviously, we've rebuilt it, and we've got it rally-ready, uh, but it runs and drives absolutely beautifully. And uh, we've been through it today. You know, the brakes have been troublesome and we've had some fueling issues uh, but it's the kind of stuff we're going to be facing when we go through mongolia through russia so uh we was doing running repairs in china on the side of the road today and uh, we we got through it we got through the whole day and the car survived wow so is this like a test run then for the rally it was the shakedown, shakedown. yeah it was the shakedown yeah. for the rally and does ed get to ride along with you or does he have to walk well, no, Ed's going to be riding along with me. It's 9,000 miles. So uh, it's kind of the kind of mileage I don't want to be doing on my own. Uh, I need to share it. So both me and Ed are going to be doing the driving and, and swapping around when each of us gets tired. And, and was, this the, was this the Cadillac that they said was the first where you could actually interchange parts between one car and the next? Is that, does yeah, that that's right. About? I mean, it's uh, from 1914. So I think 1920, the mid 1920s, uh, they produced this caddy as a, as a basically as a chassis uh, with an engine, and people had them as uh, sedans, as open top tourers. Uh, lots of people have uh, delivery trucks. Um, all kinds of, of vehicles are based on that chassis and that engine, and it was very durable. You know, it survived for many, many years. Uh, and it comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. So a lot of the parts are interchangeable with, with other caddies of that era. And and so the one you have is open top. It's a roadster? It's a roadster. Yeah, in fact, it's very open top. It's got no doors either. <laughs> and, so it's just two seats. And, it's two seats that sit on top of the chassis uh, with a, a cow that covers us at the front and a, a stand-up windscreen. It's a kind of a real... It, it, I mean, it looks heroic. It's what they call <laughs> in the, in this rally, uh, the Peking to Paris rally. They call it a pioneer car because it's one of the first sort of pioneer cars that ever did this kind of epic adventure. And that's why we chose to do it because if we're going to do this rally, we want to do it in the spirit of the pioneers who did it originally, all the way from 1907. And so you're going to be driving through Mongolia during monsoon season in a roadster. Correct, sir. This sounds yes. like a fantastic. I know. Idea. That's a I've great done idea. Some, I've done some really stupid things in my time, but yes. this is uh, this is this up sounds, there with them. Have you seen the movie The Great Race? I have. You, yes. This sounds exactly. This is that you you are you are the great Leslie, and uh, Professor Fate will be right behind you. <laughs> exactly that, and uh, you know both me and Ed, we've got the correct attire. 
i.e. The, the racing goggles, the leather helmets. You know, we're going for the full ensemble uh, to try and get the, you know, we, it wants, we want to look right. You know, when we uh, arrive at the stops at the end of the day, hopefully to have a gin and tonic, we want to look like we're in the correct attire as well. So uh, it's going to be quite an adventure. I'm very, very excited by it. I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay, well, you'll either melt and rise above it, or you'll be invincible like the Hannibal Twin A. So, uh, <laughs> correct. Yes. Okay, so so Mike, while we still have you on the phone, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, going way back to to your early days of Wheeler Dealers, um, what was the first car that you guys ever worked on together? Okay, so the first car we ever did on the show was a Porsche nine two four. Many people think it was a, a, a Mark One Mini. Um, a little green one, but actually it was a Porsche 924 red one. And uh, that was many years ago. We started off the series 13 years ago uh, where we would buy cars for just a grand, uh, flip them and kick them out the door again uh, with just a thousand pounds, which is about $1,500. And uh, we, we did that whole first series, really know it, not knowing. Uh, what we were doing, truthfully, <laughs> how like to put a car show. show together, and really not knowing just, you know, what was in store for us, you know, that uh, 13 years later, we're still making it, it's now, uh, Discovery Channel will tell you, it's now the biggest car show in the world, with over 200 million viewers in 217 territories, so uh, we're, we're very proud of the work that we've done, and the success we've made of the show, and that's due in part to people like you, the fans that watch it, and have stuck with me and Edo and our adventures over all these years. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've been uh, watching it for years. My uh, my, my son, who's uh, he's going to turn nine soon. Um, he uh, he knows you guys, and he's he's been watching you guys since he was a, a little tiny baby. So I have to say, it's yeah, it's, it's refreshing uh, there's too. A, some, there's some really funny bits about that. We do have uh, we do some live shows. Me and Ed do some live shows. And there's a lady that, uh, well, a couple of ladies that have appeared with their husbands at live shows. And the first time we meet them, he's standing there with, you know, his pregnant wife. And now we're doing these live shows and we're signing autographs for their 13-year-old child. And we're going, wow, you know, we've known these kids all their lives. You know, every year they bring their kids back, uh, you know, when they're one, two, three, all the way up to 13. And it's kind of incredible, you know, that the show's been running for that long. And, uh, and it's... It's just growing every year. <clears throat> Both me and Ed think, well, this is it. You know, this is the end. This is the last year. And every year it just gets more and more successful. And uh, we're flattered by it. We really are. That's <laughs> great, Mike. It's it's refreshing, too, to watch a show like yours where there's not a lot of manufactured drama. There's, there's good stuff for car guys to watch, gearheads like us, where you're really getting into the meat of uh, fixing up a car. It's, it's the kind of thing I want to see on TV. So thank you for, for continuing to do it. Um, oh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. And, you know, it's real. You know, we, yeah. we it's real. And that is, uh, you know, we do get, obviously, from, uh, you know, our bosses or the network, you know, sometimes they'd like to inject a little bit of jeopardy. They'd like, a you know, a little bit of drama and, you know, to, to give a bit of excitement to the program. But if it's not there, it's not happening. And me and Ed aren't going to inject that into the show just for, for, for laughs. You know, we, uh, we, oh, Mike, are you still there? Oh, I really did. Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, we lost you uh, a little bit. Both me and Ed really do buy the cars. I really do go and search for them. Uh, I really do bring them back to the shop. 
Uh, Ed really does do the work. Uh, we have an off-screen mechanic or two. We have either Paul or Phil in the previous series, and here in America, <coughs> we've got a couple of guys that help us to get the stuff that we can't do on screen um, in time, so they do that off-screen for us. Uh, but that's it. You know, it's, it's me diving in with the tools when the camera's cut. It's sometimes you'll see the sound man uh, when the camera's cut, diving in with the wrenches and, and, and helping out on the cameraman. And uh, it's genuine. It's all real. We spin that car around, and I really do sell it at the end to a real person. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not fake. We don't try to inject any fakery into it whatsoever. And I think that's part of its success. You know, that and the fact that me and Ed have always said that the real star of the show is the car, not so much us. It's the car. Yeah, even if it is a, a, a thousand pound uh, Porsche 924, it's a star. Correct. And, th and it should always be about that. And I don't want to speak ill of other car shows or other shows out there, uh, but some of those shows are all about the personality and about the person driving the program. Uh, me and Ed would never think that way. We still don't. We're still the same guys we were 13 years ago. You know, we still look at the car and go, wow, you know, we're, we're so blessed and lucky to be working on this vehicle and, and actually get paid to do it. You know, and it's all about giving that car the respect it deserves. And, and I think that's what the success and possibly the secret ingredient of the success of the show is that we always inject the car into it before us. It sounds like a dream job, really, to be fair. So that's awesome that you guys can keep doing that. Um, well, we were... it, it can be. Uh, today it wasn't a dream <laughs> yeah. job. I mean, by the time I get home tonight, I would have done a, an 18-hour day and uh, come home with, I don't know, some kind of illness or another. So, uh, yes, it is a dream job, but sometimes it, you know, we're burning the candles at both ends. We've been in that workshop uh, many, many occasions until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning just getting those cars finished and turned around and that happens on a weekly basis but you know we do it because we love the cars so speaking of uh loving cars mike i'm sure you've probably got some uh interesting things in your own personal garage anything anything good you'd want to tell us about yeah no we've got some very exciting cars in our personal collection uh both me and my wife michelle uh we've been working tirelessly at, at making this program for the last 13 years and before that I was doing other car shows on UK television uh, so over the years I've got to drive, test and use anything I like really you know and, and have all my car collection has been on screen you've seen it all, you know everything from that 924 right up to this Cadillac I've got to experience it all but there are some cars that are worth picking out and keeping and uh, buying the, the equivalent version to keep for myself and uh, both me and my wife fell in love with the 67 Mustang Fastback that we did on Wheeler Dealers. So we went and bought the same car, uh, and we did a full nut and bolt restoration for that car. In fact, it was so good, the restoration, it's currently being used by Ford in Europe to promote the new Mustang. They are using our car as the heritage car. <clears throat> and of course, if you've got a, a 67 Mustang Fastback, you need to have its rival. Uh, so me and Michelle bought right. a 1968 Camaro SS RS uh, 396 four-speed. Uh, again, we did a full nuts and bolt restoration of that car, and it sits proudly alongside the Mustang. 
uh, we've recently just finished a, a turnkey again restoration of a car that's making headways now in the world of Porsche, uh, and their values are increasing faster than a, a, a project that X launched, a NASA, you know, a NASA launch, <laughs> and that's the uh, and that's the Porsche 912. Uh, those were cars oh, yeah. that were much under love for many years. Uh, many people passed them by. Uh, but now, because of all the 911s have been sucked up and they've all gone and their prices are, are astronomical, the 912 is next in that list. And fortunately, I'm aware of what's happening in the future. Uh, so we have, uh, we bought one of those. And um, we've just secured a, a wonderful Ferrari Dino 246 GT, uh, 1972 uh, Spider. Uh, plus, we've got some other bits, a Bedford van, um, and some other stuff that actually my wife is sitting beside me and stuff that I really don't want to talk about on the radio <laughs> because she doesn't know about me yet. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know anything about that. Um, we wouldn't <laughs> yeah. talk about that. Uh, well, anyway, um, Mike, hey, uh, we really appreciate... Um, you joining us for uh, the you know the couple of minutes here, and we can hear you driving in the car. Um, any? Uh, do you have time for one last question? You can ask me as many questions as you like. I'm yours. Okay. All right. So um, I've been a, a big fan. Like I said, I've been a big fan of the show. Watched it for years. Um, and I have to ask you: Is has Ed China ever physically assaulted you for any of the cars <laughs> that you brought to his workshop? <laughs> Well, you would think you would think he's come close a few times. Yeah, I've walked in the workshop and seen a wrench thrown across the workshop, or a, a cup of coffee, or you know, some some nuts or washers. You know, they've certainly been in the air as I've been in the workshop, uh, but not aimed deliberately at me. You know, Ed is a Ed uh, understands that you know cars can be very frustrating. Uh, you know, I have a great relationship with Ed and with cars. Uh, and I genuinely think I'm a car whisperer. You know, I talk to cars, they talk to me. <laughs> and um, I, I, I say and I say this to Ed, and he completely gets it as well. You know, some cars, they come into our workshop and they open up. They open their arms up to you and they beg you to be rescued. They, they, they undo easily every nut and bolt. Right. It works. Everything that comes off that car is a joy to take off. Everything cleans up. Everything gets repainted wonderfully, and the whole car can't wait to be put back together and get out there on the road again and live on for more generations to come for people to enjoy it. Where other cars come into the workshop, and they are Mike Tyson. They don't <laughs> want to be restored at all. They want to go to the scrapyard in the sky. They just want to put up a fight, and they won't come apart. They'll break every tool we've got in the workshop. They will bruise our knuckles. They will scratch us. They will fight us. And at the end of it, when we finish them and restore them, they will still give you a hard time and break down on the test drive. And, and that, that is the world of cars, and that's why we love them. And, and that is that is a problem that Ed China has to face every day. And he appreciates the fact that some of them are good, some of them are bad. But at the end of the day, we love cars, and that's why we love putting them back on the road. Okay, well, that explains some of Ed's gray hairs these days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't be responsible for all of that. Uh, also, you know, at the end of the day, you know, some of the stuff that you're going to see in the new season that's coming up, uh, that starts very soon, is uh, we're going to put a lot of me 
six in the cars on screen. Oh, so in wow. the past, you've not seen you've not seen me doing that, and you know I've done it for years. Uh, but now, you know, they've decided to turn the camera on me, which is good. So you're going to see a lot more of me getting my hands dirty and uh, cranking those wrenches, and uh, uh, you might even see me sprout a grey hair or two. That's uh, we're 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 all looking forward to to seeing that. <laughs> Fantastic. It's going to be fun. Okay, hey, uh, Mike, um, really appreciate, uh, guys, who, if you're listening to the show, this is the, you're listening to uh, Mike Brewer from uh, Wheeler Dealers on Velocity Channel here. Um, Mike, we really appreciate your time and, and calling us up. Um, we'd like to have you back on the show sometime, maybe when you aren't driving a car. Hey, no worries. I'd love to come down to the studio, uh, you know, maybe go and have a beer after, come down to the studio, and I can talk cars, as you can hear. You know, I can talk cars till I'm blue in the face. So it'd be an absolute pleasure. Um, but yeah, please do. And what time is your show going to be on uh, the on the air here in the U.S. when it does come back on? Oh, well, that's a great question. <laughs> at the moment, it airs the new season as Monday at 9 p.m. in the U.K. and across Europe. So that's Monday, uh, May the 9th. Uh, the U.S. used to follow quite a few months after. But in an aim to bring the U.S. and Discovery Channel across the world closer together, they're starting to air wheeler dealers, I do believe, at the beginning of July. So the new season is not too far away. It's only about six or eight weeks away from being on your screens right here in America. And we've got 16 new shows for you. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Good. That's we're, amazing. We're, we're looking forward to it. Thank you again, Mike. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure, and it's a pleasure to do it for you. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Okay, then, guys. Well, good luck, and uh, I hope all your listeners uh, enjoyed that, and I look forward to catching up with you soon. All right. All right. Drive safe. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was uh, Mike Brewer from from Wheeler Dealers calling us up. Um, You're listening to Daily Turismo Radio. week's blue glove tool review brought to you by dailyturismo.com break out your credit cards and open up your toolbox it's time for a blue glove tool review brought to you by daily turismo uh, for today's review i want to talk about a item from harbor freight tools the place where you buy a tool and you usually end up fixing it before it works correctly but today is an item that you're not going to work on it's the one and a half ton compact aluminum racing floor jack that has a rapid pump feature uh it's it's made by the pittsburgh automotive the the company that makes a bunch of stuff at harbor freight uh it's cheap which is it's always a good thing it retails around 119 dollars usually it's on sale for about 90 dollars and you'd be an idiot to not go there with a coupon, okay? Because you can get those 20% off coupon in the back of magazines. And even if you don't sub- subscribe to magazines, because you're cheapskate, what you do is you head to doctor's offices. You go to uh, urologists and chiropractors, and you 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 go into the waiting room. You don't even talk to the reception. You just open up the magazine and sit there. And you pretend like you're waiting for your appointment, and you start going to the back of the magazine. You yank out these 20% off coupons. You get these Harbor Freight coupons. You go there, and you buy this aluminum racing jack that will jack up your car in three and a half pumps, 
and it's aluminum so it's lightweight you can pull it around your garage you can put it in the back of your car without breaking your back um and then you don't have to go to the chiropractor but you got his coupon anyway to get this tool, head over head over to dailyturismo.com, click on the Harbor Freight link, and go buy it. But don't worry, we won't tell your wife. Welcome back to Daily Turismo Radio. And finally, we have a special guest joining us in the studio. He is the most Jalopnik famous person we've ever had on the show, a self-taught car guy, a $500 car aficionado, and was once robbed at gunpoint by the police in Mexico. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bill Caswell. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so let's see. The first question is, and, and people want to know this, but what is the best part about racing a home-built car in Mexico? Uh, I think, well, in Mexico, it's different. I'd say the uh, the people in Mexico are awesome. Like going down to WRC, my favorite part were like the spectators, the other crews, uh, the people running the taco stands. I still actually keep in touch with the guy who uh, who runs the taco stand at the WRC Mexico after party. We chat probably wow. like every couple of months. <laughs> Great dude. He joined us for breakfast the next morning. So no, for me, it's uh, the people of Mexico. But the best part about racing a $500 car from like your mom's garage are really the nights with your friends, building the car, road tripping to the races, the things you see, the adventures you go on. Like that's the best part of it. You know, it's it's the, the racing is great. I mean, that's why I did it. Right. But it's the adventure with your friends that makes it fun. It's like a road trip where the, you're speeding all the time. Uh, once you're at the race, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually you're towing with like a big panel van and a huge trailer, and you know, and that thing probably breaks down along the way. And well, you know, we we figured out that that was gonna be a huge problem, so we just started renting the vans. Oh, nice. And then bolting a hitch on and just giving them back afterwards, <laughs> which means nice. you get to drive it like you stole it. Right. Right. And that also means though that you know. When we were late to tech inspections, you know, we just keep the thing pegged and max out on aerodynamics at like, you know, 84, which you can do through the Midwest and like Nebraska and that right. sort of thing. So we actually used to just drop a cinder block on the gas. Because <laughs> your foot would get really tired keeping it floored, right? And no, it was the base the... model with no cruise control probably. Right? No, yeah, yeah. It was like a base, base 2500 Chevy. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I remember that for <laughs> well, London's races. And yeah. then the other thing we figured out too is we'd always swap by tanks of gas. So, like, you drive until you're out of gas, and the next guy has to drive. Well, quickly, we all figured out and didn't share it for, like, a whole trip that if you just kept it floored, even when you've maxed out, right, the gas goes burn away all the fuel really fast. <laughs> oh, it's you your get, turn. It's only been an yeah. hour. And you wake up, and I'm like, how do we go through, like, 30 gallons in, like, an hour and a half? I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to sleep. <laughs> Okay, so we've gotten really far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, um, sorry about that. No, no, that's fine. Um, Bill, tell us, tell us, or tell the guys on the on the on the radio. Um, how did you how did you get into cars? Are you uh, a car guy? Did you grow up with a car household and go to college to study engineering or something? Yeah, no, not at all. My uh, my dad's a lawyer. I grew up like in the in the suburbs, like where they filmed Home Alone. Um, I was playing chess. I mean, I sort of got into cars by way of chess. I used to run on the Chicago Lakefront. Right, that a, happens all the time. That's the normal way. I got yeah. into it through books, <laughs> right? But I found, I found, uh, you know, I could learn chess through books, and then I found a car book, and I figured, well, I could probably learn cars through books. I bought, a, uh, I bought a Chilton manual, yeah. and I had an old college BMW that lost its timing belt and blew the motor up. 
And so I let it sit out by the shop that used to help me, and they used to just rip parts off it. Well, like five years later, I found this Chilton. I towed the car home. I went to Sears. I bought like $150 worth of tools. And the first thing I did was swap the engine. Right. That seems seems logical. Well, I mean, when you think about it, like cars are like one of our largest products in the United States, right? I don't know how many we're making these days, but like 15 million of these things every year or something they're selling, maybe down to 12. I don't know what the stats are these days, but, and I don't even know, I didn't know how to change spark plugs, right? I knew nothing about cars. Yeah. And so I was like, well, why not? I'll learn about cars. Yeah. Just a challenge, right? Exactly. Something to pass the time. And then I get done with the car, I take it back to the shop and I'm like, what do I do with it now? It's still a five hundred dollar car it's still a pile of junk it's been rotting outside for years and the owner was like why don't you go autocross it yeah. and i'm like what's that he's like we go to these parking lots and you race through cones and i'm like i don't want to race through cones <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's yeah. like you know what go 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 try it once i showed up i finished like second to last i think at my first event mm-hmm. and so i went and bought another book on autocrossing and oh, I went no, home, and I was like, oh, this makes That's a lot of sense. Okay. Not, this must have been before the internet, because you know, <laughs> nowadays people just go on the internet and, and look these things up. Which I've actually found is a huge problem, is how do you find the relevant source on the internet yeah right there's well, so, the so mo- much garbage the most viewed thing on, on the facebook no. or whatever right you know well that's <laughs> the problem you go to the forums and like everyone's got their opinion but right. you don't necessarily know that they're the expert back in the day the publishers would go find the experts and they would be the ones writing right. the book so and I, books do still exist so we can still take advantage of that today they do but you have to now order them on the internet <laughs> right <laughs> amazon's gonna fix that for us soon but yeah i mean i've got a ridiculous collection of books, automotive engineering books, race books. I mean, just about everything there is to learn about building a car, racing a car I have and have read most of. So it, it's been helpful along the way. Okay. Like, you know. And you started with an E30. My first car was an E30. And, you know, I found the E30 because, you know, I didn't, I knew I loved cars. I grew up in a neighborhood where our parents had like lots of nice cars. Yeah. And there wasn't much to do. So we'd go out and drive at night and they were building a, a huge brand new neighborhood full of subdivisions and they used to pave the roads and then sell the houses. So there were basically these like race tracks yeah. in the middle of <laughs> nowhere. No traffic. No traffic. Yeah. No end. Only one entrance and one exit. You leave a friend at the entrance. You know, there's no cars or pedestrians in there. And right. You know, we used to drive pretty fast in there. I, you know, I'm lucky I'm still alive. Like, don't be driving fast in public streets. <laughs> a little public service message. Yeah. But um, every car we took in there just crumbled. I mean, I think we pushed like three of them out of that subdivision. Ooh, nice. And then we found friend at an E30, and we drove it like till four in the morning, and not one thing broke. The brakes never faded. Nothing ever went wrong. Yeah. So when it came time to get a car, I went and bought an E30 for college, and that's Makes the sense. one that blew up. And then, you know, then I fell in love with BMW and BMW Motorsport, the E30 M3, like the whole history of BMW. They're dominating at the Nürburgring during that period. Yeah. I mean, every year they won except for like two or three through the 80s. Mm -hmm. And this Uh, was when E30 M3s were probably affordable. Not for me. I was like in college. I mean, I'd see one and it was like, you know, it was almost rarer then than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had a 325 ES that revved to like 4,500. The thing was miserable. <laughs> it's like it's like a diesel, diesel power <laughs> torque curve, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it got great gas mileage. And, and so, yeah. you know, when this whole adventure started by that point, I was an investment banker and I had money and I had, I had two E30 M3s and one of them was my track day car. So I entered that in my first rally and, oh. you know, we, we show up <laughs> and the organizer of the rally is like, look. You know, this guy, Anders Green, really smart guy. He's like, look, most road racers don't make it past the second stage. Yeah. You guys are used to being at 99% through every corner. Right. When you're good in rally, you can do that, 
but you should only have a couple of moments a weekend. If you're having one every corner, you're going too fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I roll the window up and I look over at uh, Sam Smith, my co-driver, now the editor of, of Road and Track, and I'm like, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> right? Too fast? What's that? <laughs> On the second exist, stage, guys. we're screaming at like, I don't know. I mean, I think I had like a, I had a E30 M3 with a Euro S50B32, which is the, the Euro E36 M3 yep. motor, very Just similar to what came in Individual throttle body. Exactly. Yeah. Twin variable uh, cam timing. Yeah. Very similar to the S54 that's in the E46 M3. Mm-hmm. I had a six-speed, a 445 gear. I mean, the thing just moved. So we're doing, I don't know, like we're well over 100 miles an hour, and I hear Sam saying left, but he's saying there's a chicane enter on the left, but at the distance the chicane looks like a wall of cones. So I go to turn left. It's a spectator area. <laughs> I get it back right. We berm the car, destroy the motor. Oh. And I'm like, wow, that was pretty stupid. That was the first turn? It was the it was the second stage oh, exactly okay. like that guy warned us about, right? <laughs> I mean, he was spot on. So on the way home, I'm like, look, I might, guys, I might really suck at this. I mean, I'm, I'm decent on racetracks. This is way back when, right? I'm sure. like, you know, I know what I'm doing. I've been racing wheel to wheel. I've won a bunch of races in ITS and uh, improved touring with like SCCA and Midwest. Right. And so I'm like, why don't we just go get a $500 like E30, like a 318, basically yeah. identical car except for the driveline. So we started looking, and that's how the $500 car came about. We found one the moment we got home. It was like a mile away. The guy wanted $1,200 for it, and I got over there, and he had like 18-inch chrome wheels on an E30. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, this car's great, but we don't need those wheels. Yeah. And the guy's like, well, the wheels are the most expensive part. He's like, you don't want them. I'm like, no, we don't want them. He's like, I don't know, give me like 500 bucks. <laughs> so we went, yeah, yeah. we went to the ATM. I went home, picked up a set of Steelys from like one of my old cars, bolted them on, drove it home, and... You know, that's how the whole thing started. You just uh, justified all the people who write different prices for their cars with or without wheels. Because <laughs> that's like all over eBay and Craigslist. <laughs> well, it makes sense. It's kind of I a mean, pet peeve. But, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Like, hey, yeah. you're selling your car. Just give us the wheels. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or take the wheels off and sell it without the wheels. Yeah. Make up this, your like, mind. Right. right. Bring yeah. your own wheels and the price is this. It's always yeah funny. and it's, funny. it's we, kind of weird you got to be a real car guy to show up with your own wheels to buy a car <laughs> our lemons <laughs> team we bought a 200 dollars e36 that only had one wheel so what, we was brought, it on blocks no well no drivetrain but we only we need we only needed the shell right so we brought three wheels right and a tow dolly and then tow dolly <laughs> and 200 bucks genius what engine did you put in it uh 5.3 ls yeah like an lm4 V8, lm7 lm7 yeah aluminum no okay no the iron yeah, one iron I, it's like the lq9 or i don't know i, get I don't remember all of the codes i'm not yeah, a chevy too or, many of those but i'm not a v8 the guy. cheapest most common one is the one that we chose. yeah the one that's yeah. in like all the vans right yeah, yeah exactly. vans suburbans right 1500 pickups yeah i think i'm gonna put one of those in my scout i've got like an old that's, 74 yeah, scout yeah perfect it's like the most logical they're so cheap i mean you got one from a suburban for nothing right junk they're like disposable so just, engines yeah i yeah. know but Sorry, they make sure guys. Yeah, no, no. They're, well, it's the cars blow up before way, the engines though. do. That's way. the thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, okay. So, um, <laughs> what uh, what do you have parked outside today? What did you drive today? Mm. I've got a uh, 2003 BMW, the X5 with a 4.6. Okay, it's got the big wheels and the big motor. And now I realized after driving here, I need big brakes. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh. It's, it's fully stacked up. When you get the thing moving, it just does not want to slow down. Are there any rally stages between L.A. and Gardena? Yeah, yeah you guys, you're feeding into something I said on the way over here. Tur- uh. It turns out if you're driving fast through traffic on side streets in L.A. with lots of 
corners and turns. Yeah. Right. Hypothetically. Way, yeah, hypothetically. Ways can't actually keep up with you. Ways can't actually keep up with you. So, you know, it's yelling turn right about 20 feet before I got to turn right. Yeah. And then it's like, turn left, turn right, turn left. <laughs> it feels like you got a co-driver in the car and you're ripping a tire. Yeah, it stage. sounds like you're driving with my wife. <laughs> yeah. really, I mean, except it might actually tell you the right way to go. Yeah, I mean. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my um, that's like sort of my California daily driver, if you will. I know a lot of people hate that term, but that's like you know that's what I beat around in. But you know, if we go out and look at it, you'll see the back stuffed with tools, parts for the Scout. I got yeah. a set of H and R springs and Bilsteins that are going no, this on. Your, it. This is a workhorse. SADs and it's, wagons are great for that. Yeah, right? if BMW had a pickup truck, I probably would have bought it. Yeah, right? yeah, there sure. You go. You yeah. could make one. I mean, we got a Sawzall, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so the reason why I bought the car was to turn it into a Jeep. So I had drawings made, and that was the direction we were going. I was to pull the doors off it, pull the roof off it, cage it. Wrangler style. Yeah, like Wrangler style, X5. And then do like little tubular doors and just let the rain hit in San Diego like the two times a year it does it. Yeah. Right? And then I went to go look at the car, and it wasn't a regular X5. It was a 4.6 with the big wheels and the nice cloth Alpina interior and mm. I'm like guys we can't cut the roof off this thing <laughs> and then a little I, too nice right? and then uh, like a month or two later uh, Zach Bowman of uh, Road and Track put like a Scout 74 Scout race truck on his Facebook page and it turned out it was 20 minutes for me ah. so I went and bought that and yeah. that's caged and has got no top and that's like my beach truck is he the guy who did the uh, the international pickup on uh, yeah does he, does he have a yeah a, he's a pickup big as well scout yeah guy. okay I mean, I've read about his, his yeah stuff. now yeah. he's he's got this cool journey he's doing for the drive so he moved over to the drive now the the new Time Warner deal mm-hmm. and uh, packed up his house and him and his family are on the road in like a big pickup truck with like a living quarters bolted onto the back of the bed and they're touring the country wow. living out of their truck for a year it's like <laughs> a really cool set of posts. <laughs> Cool. Um, All right, yeah. we'll check that out. I oh, know. Okay, sorry. I might have to do that. I might be homeless someday. You never know. Well, you guys, you guys should call him while he's on the road. Get him while he's driving out of thing, and, and get him on here next Friday. Yeah, we that's can a good do idea. that. Yeah, mm. we can take calls, by the way. And uh, I don't know if that's something we want to talk uh, about. Uh oh. Yeah, let's open up the phone. <laughs> no, lines. my friends are gonna call up, <laughs> burn me. <laughs> so our okay. our phone number here at the DT Radio Studio is area code four two four two six zero two eight two two. That's 424-260-2822. So if you want to call and heckle Bill or make fun of Vince or whatever. If uh, I recognize the voice, do we get to just hang up? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> yeah. There's no rules with this. I mean, we just we just got this capability awesome. recently. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're working like, at it. We, it may still be hypothetical, but we'll see. <laughs> but we can try. The, That's wait, just wait, fun. Wait, hold on. The only, the other point out, the only call we've ever gotten and successfully talked to was Mike Brewer from Wheeler Dealers. Ah, so you know it's the we're system works. A, we're batting a thousand so right, far. Right, right. We had a celebrity call us. It was <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's cool. So we'll if you're not as good cool. at Mike Brewer, don't call. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> no anyone please, can call. Please, uh, and anyone. if you just got your pen out, it's four two four two six zero two eight two two. I put it up on the board there so we can yeah, I was looking at my not fumble with our Sorry, notes. Sorry, just making it slow for everybody there. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, sticking with this rally theme. Um, have you ever been to a rally school? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, when I started, I've been a, a racetrack guy and I've been racing and winning. So I was like, you know, pretty confident in my driving ability. And the third gravel rally I entered, we finished uh, first overall in two wheel drive national. So I'm like, oh, I must be pretty good at this or whatever, right? right? Yeah. When the uh, when the WRC Mexico story hit and all the publicity happened, uh, Team O'Neill Rally School called me up and were like, you know, look, this is great. 
great publicity for rally. Most of the publicity shows you need like a $100,000 car and a semi-truck when the reality is you just need a group of friends and a strong car and the will to go have fun on back roads yeah. legally, right? Yeah, right? So he's like, but Caswell, a lot of guys enter this sport from road racing. They do it for a year. They upgrade to a fast car and they total like two or three of them in a row and they never come back. And we don't want to see that happen to you, so please get out here, take our school. Right. And, you know, I've never had a racing school invite me to come out. So I went out there, and they pretty much just blew my mind. Like, turns out I had no clue how to drive a car. <laughs> and they've, they've got E30 uh, rally cars up there. This was the same chassis I was used to driving, and I could not keep this thing under control because you know they they intentionally do it with like all seasons and they take away some of your grip yeah so that the tools are you know easily applied so they can teach you car control at lower speeds probably right Is yeah that part of it? more that um when you have a car with lots of grip you can hide your mistakes uh, just like yeah. the guy in like a gt3 at the racetrack yeah right like he, he thinks can, he's badass yeah he can go 10 miles an hour slower through the corner and he gets on the gas and he's already pulling away from you right yeah. right so you know, it's that kind of mentality where they take the grip away and then you need to left foot brake. You need to keep your eyes up the road. You need to learn proper techniques to get the car's weight to transfer and find a grip. Mm. And uh, and that was exceptionally powerful for me. Like, I believe that's the reason, the sole reason why I was able to go over to the Nürburgring, learn the racetrack in like, I think I had like two practice sessions and then run a race in Naughty RS4 with a big V8 through... Um, uh, race the ring.com friend of mine's hmm. business rob holland's company over the nurburgring he does like arrive and drive at the ring which is really really cool yeah, it does, sounds fun but like you know i've played it on like gran turismo before right but that's you not the same so thing you're, so you're an expert yeah no right. you know, what's funny though is that the is that the the pro um drivers and race teams will tell you that the time that the kids nowadays spend on on gran turismo and stuff like that is, is actually good because it does teach them some basic car control it teaches them the ring it teaches them some 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 basic things that you'd be surprised that as we growing up you know driving our car around the street you don't learn it that's true it's like a double-edged yeah. sword though because if you walk into like rsr nurburgring or some of those other rental programs and say you know you know the ring well from gran turismo they might not even rent you the car but yeah, well, okay. on the flip side, <laughs> on the flip side, you've got GT Academy. Yeah, the right? Nissan thing. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Right, and you've got guys who have never been on a racetrack, and they they dominate uh, this video game yep. out of so, like a million people. By the way, those guys had been on a racetrack. A lot of those guys were like SCCA national champs, and like like really, a, yeah, some, my, some of them. My buddy Jim is like, oh yeah, I knew that guy and that guy and that guy. Like the okay. people who did really well at the GT Academy had been on track. Had done, you know, autocrossing. Had done a lot of stuff. Oh and, man! So it's a bit of a marketing spin. Well, and I got yeah, caught I mean, in it. It's <laughs> well, it's be, it's it's because if you, you look so crest for you to spend the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, usually you know, I'm pretty good at picking those out. Yeah, if you just spend the time to 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 be that good at, at Gran Turismo, you have to be a car guy. You can't just be like a video game guy. Yeah, because you right. go and play Call of Duty Dude, and you kill just, people. Yeah, You're like, exactly you know what? I'm gonna right. go. Well, I, like me, it's like I'll race the games. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to play some Grand Theft Auto. Right? Yep. You know what? Yep. It's just I want to have fun. I, I did read a story about one of those guys that won that GT Academy, and they put him in like an LMP1 car for the first time, and he couldn't handle it because of the g-forces because you don't get that when you're playing a video game right? well he wasn't strong enough to i mean it is or tough, just like, you know it's disorienting you have no frame of reference when yeah. all of a sudden you're you know pulling two or three g's and you yeah. know, normally you're just sitting on a couch or something right? I, I mean i'm definitely a sports car guy every time i've gotten in like an open wheel car or i drove uh, cj wilson's uh, bac mono oh, like wow. a bit ago and like the, you're so low and you're lying down like i don't know how the formula yeah. one drivers do it 
Like, try lying down in a car. All yeah. the G-forces hit you in, like, a different way. Yeah. And then you've got to, like, keep the wheel exactly. They're so twitchy that you got to keep the wheel, like, dead neutral through a sweeper. And, you know, it's I get why these guys are working out like crazy that are running, you know, formula and this and that. I think it's why, like, you know, GT cars and rally cars... Because, I mean, like, look at the rally drivers. Like, they're, you know, they're drinking, they're smoking, they're <laughs> yeah. jumping in the car, flying off. They look like off. normal guys. Hey, the right? next thing yeah. is to go to NASCAR, and you'd be like a fat slob, and you can still do well, right? Yeah. Well, have, you, have you ever climbed into a NASCAR car? <laughs> no. It's like getting into, like, a little baby carriage. Like, you climb into the thing. It's got support. It's got supports for, your like, your waist, your hips, your arms, your shoulder, right. your helmet. It just locks you in there, basically. Yeah, you just right? basically lie down and fall asleep <laughs> against the You could be quadriplegic, and you could drive one of those. I mean, maybe. <laughs> you know. Maybe not. But I don't want to rag on the NASCAR guys, because. Uh, I mean, I used to my whole life where, like, life's too short to only turn left. You know, we used to just make sure, tons sure. of jokes. Sure. And then I actually went and saw a NASCAR race and saw the guys, like, literally drifting the cars into turn oh, yeah. one in Chicago. Yeah. They're and all uh, very... Well, when guys like Juan Pablo Montoya show up at NASCAR, like, they're going to win everything. And, and he does okay, but he doesn't, like, kill everybody. He's like a Formula One, like, you know, he's this great race car driver. And it's like he shows up there and these other guys are all, like, you know... These rednecks who grew Except up for in the Virginia. road courses. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm convinced that setup and chassis design and the team engineering plays like a huge role in NASCAR. That if you're the yep. best driver, if your car's yeah, not for sure. right, you're not going to get there. But the road courses have so many variables yeah. that a good driver seems to be able to overcome them, like a Boris said, like a yep. Montoya. Right. Like, right. Have you yeah. seen the Na- when they race in the rain on a road course or NASCAR? Because uh, they will race in the rain. I think yeah. they do. Road that. Yes, they do. At least <laughs> they did a couple of years ago. So I saw the race at like Montreal. They were racing in the rain because they don't race. If it rains, they, they cancel the, the they oval have course. windshield wipers. No, but but in the road courses, they race in the rain, and it was the most fantastic NASCAR race I've ever seen. I'm gonna I go bet. Google that. Someone's <laughs> got. Someone has to have dropped that on YouTube. <laughs> you know, that's good. awesome. Yeah. And I love racing in the rain. I mean, there's nothing more fun. I mean, it kind of like neutralizes a lot of the advantage of the cars that have more power and right. you know the person who can really balance a car at the Everybody's limit. on the edge, right? Yeah, it's yeah. great. And yeah, most yeah, people yeah. are really scared of it. I've been to tracks where it starts to rain and I see guys packing their cars up. Yeah. I, mean, I, I like night racing for the same reason because a lot of people just can't see. They, either they have bad lights or their eyes aren't so that's great. That's because the BMW racing had these giant <laughs> like like halogen like they spot were, lights. You could see through were the Baja car radio. pencil beam HIDs yeah. in a road race. Like Baja designs? It was a 24 yeah, like race. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. Everyone else was like driving around in their like, it was stock high yeah. beams. Right. And we were just like, you'd light up and like the inside of their car would like just be just <laughs> like reflecting in their eyes and they couldn't yeah. see anything. And they just slow down when you got behind it, them. It, it's funny you guys say that because back when Lemon started, the first night race I believe was Nelson Lemon. Mm-hmm. And so we in quickly, yeah, we yeah. quickly went and bought a 750 IL, mm. and we got it home. I think we had like 48 hours to make the race. Wow. So I threw a cage in it, and we <laughs> mounted my giant rally lights on the front of the yeah, thing. Yeah. And it wasn't fair. Like, I could crash people by turning the lights off, <laughs> right? So, like... Right, because now know, they can't see. Yeah, because I come up on <laughs> yeah. them, and, and I forget they're on, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, God, I'm blinding the guy. And I turn them off, and I just watch him wander off the track, and he's just in a <laughs> sand pit. And I'm like, oh. You know, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to leave him on so, or leave him off. Whoops. <laughs> so, as someone who... I competed in the first 24-hour Lemons race. Oh, right on it. Altamont. Yeah. yeah. Altamont. Yeah. And we run a... I won a race the next the next year at Altamont, uh, this... Right, BMW, right um, on. but the best thing about that, like back in the day of lemons, is that was when you could actually crash into people. And that first race, and actually the second race, we had an external roll cage on our car. Yeah, <laughs> and Exo so cage. Exo cage. you yeah. could Skeleton, just yeah. bash, it. and it got banned after that race, by the way. And it, 
Probably. Well, naturally, because the only reason you show up with that is to ram other cars, or or, or just stay alive or just while everyone else. It was because yeah, the first race, yeah. right, right? The first race, the Their reason why we didn't win, we had this BMW five five series of five thirty five, and it didn't win because it got bashed to the point where the the engine, you know, got cooked because it couldn't cool anymore. Yeah, oh, so interesting. Um, you know, it's uh, these things. These you do these innovations in racing, and all of a sudden they're banned. And so, just for a while, just about every race we were doing, Black Iron Racing, this team that Chris and I are on, every race. Something would get the rules get changed after we race. That was in the early <laughs> days of lemons. That's when you know. Way, way to ruin everything, Vince. That's when you know you're doing it right. <laughs> well, no. We were we were afraid of getting crushed, so like we were gonna be late, so we just blew off the whole start. We we got that. You guys got crushed. We Which got crushed. car was the BMW? Yeah. yeah the wow. Oh, the one with the big uh, yellow one and the YouTube video. I watched your car get no, crushed. No, it wasn't no, that no. one. It oh, was a okay. uh, it was a uh, uh, wrench a five forty uh, challenge where everybody from every other team got a wrench. And they could, they were allowed to take one car, one part off of. The well, car. it was they given a certain amount of right? time. They're given like yeah, it was like, like three minutes, minute two minutes. They're given three minutes, and so you had like. Oh yeah. Swords give me one minute, and I'll make your car never run again. Yeah. yeah. No, you know what? We got back <laughs> yeah. on the track. Really? We got back on the track. We had no brakes. We got back on the track. You just pull the distributor cover and cut your timing belt. You guys will never run again. Like, <laughs> no, they were not allowed. The... No scissors. It was no, <laughs> no cutting up. Mints. It was wrenches, and that's all they were allowed. So anyway. Yeah, was, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. That was lemons. Okay. Well, we, sat, right. we were cooking that. We sat around and waited till it got dark, and then we took the car out. So the judging yeah, happens at like 5 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we waited all the judging stuff was in, and then we fired our car up yeah. and went and raced for 12 <laughs> hours. And there's only three of us, and by the time we got tired at like 4 in the morning, we played break it, crash it. <laughs> and everyone had five laps to either break or crash the car. <laughs> and it would come in and we'd rag on the guy for not destroying it. Right. So everyone would go out and drive it harder and harder and harder. Yeah. They don't do the people's curse anymore, by the yeah. way. So yeah, people listening, if, if you want to get into it, don't worry. They, they're not going to crush your car. But it also means yeah. you're going to have some guys out there with serious cheater cars. Oh, uh, there are, yeah. So if you don't sure. build like an E36 with like a, th- you know, a V8. A three liter S50 <laughs> that looks like a 2.5 or, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, the cars are really fast and the, the competition is really, really. Different. I know we got to move on to your questions, yes. but I do want to plug uh, AER, oh. American Endurance Racing. Yeah. They're oh, out yeah. on the East How's Coast. Yep. They're um, they're good friends of mine. They're super good dudes, and they started the series not to make money. They all have like, awesome jobs and this and that. They just wanted to go to great racetracks, and they didn't want to deal with all the nonsense of lemons and chump. Mm-hmm. So they're like, bring whatever you want. Run a control tire that's 200 tread wear or higher, any yep. size you want, yep. and anyone can race. So a Grand Am team showed up with two Porsches at Mid-Ohio. On and street tires, basically. Yeah, we're all yeah. on street tires. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But the race opened with pouring rain. Larry <laughs> nice. Webster rode in track, put an E30 in the lead, and was, like, smoking these Caymans around <laughs> Mid-Ohio. That's awesome. I mean, you know, so, and those guys, they do a huge barbecue dinner. They, like, feed the whole race Friday night. They buy a couple of kegs of beer. Wow. It's sort of like the old-school track days, but you're yeah. racing. That sounds like a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And there's I, no rules. Build whatever you want. Yeah. Just put the slow tires on. No penalty. On. I mean, there's there's safety and tech yeah, rules, Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, there's safety. But, but, like, you know, we've got another – I just bought another 750IL for 500 bucks. Nice. Because that's, like, <laughs> yeah. kind of what happens. That's People call me and they're like, hey, man, I got this car and I really don't want to, like, crush it or sell it. Like, will you go race it? I'll give it to you for 500 bucks. And so we're looking at putting a supercharger, one of those big Mad Max things out the front with the three little flappy doors that's on the way. Oh, that's yeah. the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, yeah. In, interce- interceptor V12, though. Right. Uh, and we can run right. that because there's no. And that's super reliable. Those two ECUs, they communicate perfectly all the time. And the electric <laughs> throttles, they work on the 750. Yeah. Well, that's the really... nice part is that you have basically two engines. So if one goes down, you just go to <laughs> yeah, a six cylinder. Yeah, you have a six cylinder with an Cadillac air pump skip attached. Right. You just pull yeah. the plugs and just run the other one. Yeah. But that's why we're going to do a supercharge, is we're going to do a uh, carburetor supercharged. Yeah, like pull like all the this. computers out. 
put an MSD timing wheel in the front, hit the ignition, drop a carb on it, and that V12 should be awesome. I normally wouldn't say this, but in that case, there is less to go wrong. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, normally yeah. I'm like I'm of the mind yeah, that, no, don't, don't yeah. do a carb. Stick with the OE fuel injection because that's going to be reliable. Don't yep. mess with it. Well, but in this case, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah you like just put every, a carb on it. Yeah. It, like, that's why, like, half of the... Um, like the uh, if anyone, anyone ever puts a wankel in some other car, like you'll see a, a rotary in like a Volkswagen Beetle, yeah, or you'll see a rotary in something With else. It's got a carb. Side draft Weber. It's always yeah. got a carb. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's just if someone's like converted a, a a car, or even you'll see a lot of rotaries, a lot of old Mazdas and stuff like that. That if they even had fuel injection to begin with, it's gone, and someone's putting up put a holly on there. So this is a stupid question because I don't know much about wankels, even though I raced one up Pikes Peak, <laughs> right? But like, is the timing the same? Like, you know, you put the carb on it. Like, how the hell do you run the thing? Is it still, I mean, it still it's has, got fuel it still's got air. suction, compression, and boom. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you just, it, but it's, even though all those weird parts are moving differently inside, it's still got a spinning front, right? And you just time it. Well, so yeah, there's no, I, I mean, it's just fuel and air going into the engine now. Yeah. Right? yeah and it's still so got the same four cycle, and it's still doing that right. on its own. I just never really thought about it. I've never yeah. seen a carb on a rotary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what you have to do with ignition timing, but. I don't know. I think it those, works, ro- I think those yeah. rotary things, they drive me nuts. They look yeah. like those superchargers, you know, <laughs> or the, like a roots charger. But yeah. okay, so on to the next question. No, no, well, no, no. We're just, uh, we're, we're having a good time. We're talking, yeah, talking we're rotaries. just hanging out. Um, what about, we got a little bit of time before our break here. Okay. Yeah, what about, um, uh, what else do you have in your garage? Mm. What else is on there? I don't know if we have enough. I got a lot of different stuff. So, um, 318. Yeah. I, well, in, in LA, I've also got, or in San Diego, I've also okay. got the. I'm going to stop you right there, Where? and you're going to tell people when they get back from the break. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go through all, all the right. cars when we get back from this break. Listening to Daily Turismo Radio. This is the final lap on Daily Turismo Radio. Excellent. We are going to do a special game for the final lap today. You guys are going to enjoy this. Special. I call it Automotive (laughs) A to Z. Not okay. automotive ADD. No, no, not that. We that, do we'll all do that. have that. That was the yeah. last yeah. fifty-five minutes of this <laughs> podcast. I'd like to point out we all have that disease. Okay. All right. So the first person says a car, make or model, designation doesn't matter. That starts with the letter A. Second person B, and then C, and then we just we just go on. We go on through the alphabet. Make or model. Make or model. Okay. Uh, once we go through the alphabet all the way, we'll just start again. You can't reuse previous letters. Okay. Um. And the first person who can't answer a, a, a letter, can't come up with something, loses, loses. and we're done. Okay. And, and there's no winners, just one loser. It's like the <laughs> worst right. the worst competition ever. Okay, let's start, let's start off slow, why, and then we can speed up. Why do we do up. that? I, I don't know. Just a suggestion. Okay, then you start off. Go ahead. Give us an A. You give us an A? Yeah. Austin Healy. Boxer. I'll have anal bum cover for a hundred, Alex. <laughs> no, no, you're on C. You're on C. Oh, 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 okay. A, B, C, and then we go in a circle. Okay. <laughs> you're on wow. A okay. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Celebrity Jeopardy. So, um, for Coleman. Yeah. No. Um. Uh. Chevette Diesel. <laughs> I'm looking at Chris. Dodge. <laughs> Econoline. 
uh, fair lane. Sure. Like I could have gone so many different ways after fair. <laughs> Uh, 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 go go mobile. That's a real car. Oh. Hummer. Hi. <laughs> uh, Innocenti. Ooh. Ha ha. Jowett. Oh. K car. <laughs> oh, K car. Yeah. Oh, like Chrysler K car. Yeah. LeBaron. Okay. Uh, Montego. <laughs> <laughs> Nissan. Your father's Oldsmobile. Ooh. Pantera. Uh, Q50. <laughs> uh, uh, Renault Twingo. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> do that's okay. One, but just right. Renault. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's even boring. Uh, uh, Studebaker. Uh, T. Yeah. I know. <laughs> 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 Tesla. Tesla. Three quarters of my pause is thinking of the letter. Wait, what letter? Wait. <laughs> yeah. What letter? Tesla. Uh. Um, oh. Hmm. Uber, because that's a car, right? You just bring mm. up the Uber car? It has to be a make or a model. <laughs> make or a model. <laughs> uh, that's a surprisingly hard one. That well, is a hard one. Hold I on didn't, a second. I didn't yeah. anticipate that. Yeah. Uh, Anything? Ulti- Anything? Ultima GTR. God. Volvo. Ah, yeah. Um... Vince, are you still yeah, there? Yeah, <laughs> Winnebago. Uh, it's not a car, but I'll okay. We'll let it. We'll You'll let, it let slide. apply just so I can get to me with the X. That's yeah. right. How you set yeah. this up. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> you gonna give me X? another note here with an idea for this? <laughs> Producer uh, Ben is giving is giving hints here. This is harder on, than it Xterra. sounds. Ooh, there you go. Good. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you go. Uh. Z3. I'm going to have one from Kentucky, the Alfa Romero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Buick. Camaro. Uh, uh, Datsun. Uh, Edsel. Ford. Uh, uh, go Mobile's already taken, right? You can't, you can't go <laughs> Why back, did you right? already take Gogan? <laughs> <laughs> Galendewagen. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, uh, oh, crap. <laughs> that's not that's not a car maker. No, it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nobody did. No, we're good. We're still PG here. Um. Uh. Wow. I can't think of H words. Uh. I don't want to lose. And on that bombshell. <laughs> oh, no. No. I think I think we're gonna dust it down. Five, four, three, two. One. Uh, uh, Humber, Humber. Oh, oh my God! We're going. Isuzu, <laughs> Jaguar. <laughs> uh, the um, uh, Kizashi. That was a Suzuki. Lancia. Uh, um, <clears throat> I'm trying to go for something less obvious than Maserati. Some someone that you but, work um, for? I didn't. <laughs> well, we only have a couple that's, seconds that's left in the got. show, but we're gonna keep going. We're gonna extend this past the regular time that we fade out. Go, keep going. Yeah, we're gonna keep going. All right, M, we're on M. Uh, M- Mazda. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of them Ferran cars. How about Ma- Mazda Ratty? <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with uh, New Beetle. Opal it starts with an N. You've been listening to Daily Turismo Radio. You can follow the show on Facebook at Facebook slash Daily Turismo and on Twitter at Daily Turismo. Use the hashtag DT Radio. 
Saturn doesn't count them. It's like S-Town. Thanks, guys.